Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Policy Talks. I'm Dave Crouch, and uh, this is the monthly show that's brought to you by the Williamson, Inc., our uh, Chamber of Commerce here in Williamson County. We've got uh, a, a bright-eyed bunch here at uh, Columbia State this morning. We're glad to have a live audience here that uh, keeps us on our toes. The uh, Columbia State campus is beautiful today, and it's growing. Uh, the new building is coming out of the ground, and uh, Looking forward to seeing it continue to grow since they've uh, moved to this campus. Um, also got a TV audience, uh, thanks to Creed Henderson and the crew at TV, uh, WCTV, and uh, look forward to having them uh, uh, watching us uh, several times over the next few days. And Tom Lawrence over at WAKM uh, will uh, be live streaming us on WAKM. So look forward to... Uh, having a great conversation this morning. Our guest this morning, special guest, uh, some hometown Williamson County people that we're very proud of, Tennessee Commissioner of the Department of Safety and Homeland Security. It's a big uh, mouthful. Uh, Jeff Long, our former sheriff and uh, someone that we've known a long time. Colonel Matt Perry, now the, uh, the leader of the Tennessee Highway Patrol. Is that a good way to put it for those of us that are not military and don't know the difference between a colonel and a lieutenant colonel, but uh, I guess Sam Whitson can uh, explain that to me in a little while. But the uh, <laughs> we uh, really appreciate y'all taking the time to uh, be with us this morning. And uh, Jeff, uh, just reading your bio, uh, at uh, the time you were appointed, uh, Commissioner, I think you've been in the law enforcement industry or business 46 years, and uh, you must have started when you were about three years old. But uh, the uh, how did you get evolved from one space to the next in this business? Well, good morning, Dave, and thank you. Yes, uh, I've been very blessed, honestly. Um, started my law enforcement career in my home county in 1971 as a deputy sheriff, and uh, got to accelerate from there and got uh, probably the best thing that ever happened to me is in 1974, uh, I went to work with the Tennessee State Fire Marshal's Office as an arson investigator and was in Memphis, Tennessee and uh, typical state government. The first day at work, they said, guess what? You've been reassigned. <laughs> and uh, I showed up in Franklin, Tennessee. I had the opportunity to move to Middle Tennessee. They told us we could move anywhere we wanted to in Middle so Dora and I came up and rode and saw the pasture at that time all the way from the interstate through 96 to Franklin and got downtown and saw the business district, uh, saw the homes in Franklin, and she said, there's no use in going anywhere else to look. This is it. So we picked Franklin, and best decision we've ever made. Well, it's uh, great to have you with us. Now, how long were you sheriff of Williamson County now? You I had the honor to serve here as sheriff for 10 years. We, uh, we were... Uh, you were it was a very non-eventful time as far as the newspapers uh for the sheriff's department we uh that's considered successful i think and uh we uh i think the first thing governor bill lee did after he was uh sworn in uh maybe was to swear you in as the commissioner is that right uh, that's pretty close <laughs> <laughs> i'm honored to get to serve the citizens of the state of tennessee that's great the gentleman beside you uh Native Williamson County uh, man now, can't say boy anymore, and uh, uh, Matt Perry, you've uh, 
you've kind of followed a similar path, but uh, ended up in a little different place. Tell us about it. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Um, so, I say my career started in 1979 when I was born. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I joke. My, my dad was a trooper, um, retired about a decade ago. But that's why I say I've, I've only been a trooper, uh, I guess, about 20 years. But I've, I've been in it my whole life. So um, I started the sheriff's department here in Williamson County. Um, in at the end of 2001, I was hired and, and started my career and worked for a couple of years and finally got the opportunity. Uh, loved the sheriff's department. Didn't work for uh, Sheriff Long. Uh, Sheriff LaCates is, was, was sheriff at the time, hired me, and, uh, and then Sheriff Headley for a little while. And then I went on to the highway patrol. Uh, my dad was uh, our training captain at the time, and that's kind of the, the life I had grown up in and, and knew I always wanted to be a trooper. And so started there and was a, a road deputy in Williamson County, a road trooper in Williamson County, uh, then went to our crash reconstruction team, uh, which goes all of us <coughs> kind of the worst of the worst fatal crashes. Um, then was promoted to sergeant in Davidson County, then lieutenant, captain over the Nashville District, which includes the Nashville District is 13 counties, including Williamson. Um, and that, that's kind of where you start the, the executive side of or the leadership side of our department as a captain. And then I was a, a field major. And I was lieutenant colonel and the executive officer of my predecessor, Derek Stewart. And then luckily, uh, I guess almost two years ago, it'll be, I guess two years and, and three months, I will, uh, I will have been colonel for, for almost two years. So, and the colonel is the, the uniformed head, head of the highway patrol. Highest ranking uniform member. Right. That's a uh, that's a great story. The uh, uh, until I started preparing for this show, uh, I had no idea. I kind of knew what all the highway patrol and the, and the homeland security uh, uh, units do, but when you look at it all as you're trying to put it into a one-hour show, it's crazy how much territory y'all covered. Jeff, tell us overall the the scope of the Homeland Security and uh, Department of Safety and what all you oversee. And then I want uh, Colonel Perry to give us the same thing on the Highway Patrol. Okay. Um, we have basically four major units in the Department of Safety and Homeland Security. Of course, we have the Tennessee Highway Patrol. We have the Office of Homeland Security, uh, where we have Homeland Security agents that work cases across the state trying to keep us safe here in the state of Tennessee. We also have the Highway Safety Office. If you go to a sporting event and on the Jumbotron or the announcements or something, you hear about uh, driving uh, and impaired and things, and it's sponsored by the Highway Safety Office. That's a group that we have across the state, and we partner with the University of Tennessee to spread the word about safe driving across Tennessee. And then we have the Driver's License uh, Division, which is the one I'm busy with the most. Uh, uh, when I came in, uh, people were complaining about the waiting lines and how long it took to get a driver's license. And uh, we worked probably the first two, two and a half years pretty well consistently on driver's license uh, division. And, and I'm happy to say we started with like a two-hour wait. And I think the last figure I saw average across the state of Tennessee, we've gotten it down to about 14 minutes. So uh, a lot of dedicated employees. We tried to uh, 
upgrade and try to make it modern day by technology. Uh, our vision is eventually you'll be able to get your driver's license renewed. You'll never have to go to a driver's license station. You'll be able to do it online. How much longer do we have to get the star on our driver's license? Uh, it starts again next year at this month, October of 2023. So we're encouraging people, don't wait to the last minute. You'll probably see some lines. Uh, we're, we're way ahead of most states, so I think we already have. We've got about 4 million uh, licensed drivers in the state, and we've already done right at 2 million. So we're well ahead of some of the other states, but uh, still, you need to go ahead and do it. And, and it's so easy to do now. Uh, now you have the opportunity, instead of going into the center and bringing your documents in and standing in a line and taking a long time, you can upload those documents uh, on the Internet. And you'll have those already uploaded. You go into a driver's license center. They just simply compare the documents against what you uploaded, and you're in maybe 15 minutes and you're out with the real ID. Goodness, goodness. And it's right now, it's still, you know, if you're going to go into a federal building or a nuclear facility, and I know most of us not plan on going to a nuclear facility, but I think that's going to change. I think, and I'm already hearing, a lot of businesses are now requiring real ID. So I think uh, you'll probably see that uh, maybe even with the airline industry and things like that. So I'm encouraging everyone, please go ahead and try to get that and get it done. Yeah. Now, uh, Matt, the uh, give away one of my secrets. Uh, I, part of the preparation for these shows is Googling our uh, guests. <laughs> and when I Googled the Tennessee Highway Patrol and limited it to just the last 30 days of news stories, it was like 11,000 items. I had no idea what all the Highway Patrol was involved in. and uh, But give us an overall view of it, if you can, and uh, kind of tell us how much of the time our troopers spend doing accident reports versus other things. Yeah, so troopers do, we do a lot more than just writing tickets and, and working crashes. That, that's kind of people's first thought. Um, but we're really the second or third largest police force in the state, if you, if you look at just our total uh, allocation, personnel allocation. So we, we tend to be a, and Commissioner brings this, and I'm the same way, we, we want to be, we want to help everybody, we want to assist all of our local law enforcement partners. A lot of jurisdictions across the state that don't have enough deputies or officers or resources, and, and we bring that. Um, we've got an aviation division. We've got six helicopters. Of course, you saw that in the news. We, we lost a pilot uh, in a helicopter crash, um, you know, a month or so ago, uh, and, and a deputy from Marion County Sheriff's Department was, was lost in that same crash. So we're, we're still reeling a little bit. That's a, a loss that you can't, you know, you, you just can't overcome. Um, right. Somebody like Lee Russell, he's as good a helicopter pilot as there was, and we, we basically had three pilots in kind of the three grand divisions of the state, or one in each of the, the three grand divisions, and, and they fly missions daily. Uh, some of those are looking for missing hikers and kayakers. Some of them are looking for, you know, bad guys on the run. Um, a lot of different things, but they fly almost every day, whether it's a, a THP-related mission or they're flying in, in support of state parks or, or some other agency. Right. Uh, we have a SWAT team uh, that goes all over the state uh, doing high-risk search warrants. We do a lot of, um, the biggest thing we do is what we call EOD, Explosives Ordnance Disposal. 
and we get somebody who's bought a farm in an old barn. They find some, some old dynamite that's crystallized and highly volatile. They go and render that stuff safe. Um, that's, that's probably the majority of, of their job. Uh, we have, um, we are kind of responsible for every school bus in the state, making sure they're safe. And that's um, public, private, daycares. We, and that, that's a big task that, that troopers do. We, we inspect every, every bus every year. Um, wow. So and you can imagine how many buses there are across the state. And so um, we, we do that. We run all the scale houses, trying to, you know, make sure commercial vehicles are, are operating safely in the state. Um, not overweight, uh, which destroys our roadways, plus becomes, um, you know, very, can be very dangerous in a, in a crash when you've got an 80,000 pound vehicle already is dangerous. And when they're, you know, overweight, it, it becomes that much more of a, right. uh, of a projectile moving around. Um, we, we do a lot of uh, other things too. We're, we're trying to hire a ton. We, we try to do our part to um, make the roadway safer in Tennessee. And, and some of that is, speeding and trying to reduce crashes, fatal crashes, but some of it is is preventing crime from happening. There's a lot of interstate shootings that are happening now. They happen a lot in Memphis and Nashville, but we're seeing it. Rutherford County's had their share of interstate shootings, so we, we like to be visible. Right. So we talk about, you, you see a trooper, everybody sees a trooper on the side of the road, those blue lights, uh-oh, they're out. You know, I got to slow down. And, and that's really all we want. We're, we're really not out there trying to see how many tickets we can write. Because when everybody in this room drives by a trooper car, I drove by one this morning with lights on, we all slow down a little bit. We all pay attention. We don't know if that trooper is just changing a tire or writing a ticket. But, we're, you know, we're trying to affect um, behavior and just get people to be, be a little bit safer. I told, I told somebody I was going to ask you exactly how far over the speed limit you can go without getting a ticket, but I'm not going to make you answer that. You can't. You can't <laughs> 70 miles an hour. You understand. So, and, and something else that we're doing that, that's come with the governor's executive order 97 is uh, with school safety. We, you know, we have troopers. I said we're the second or third largest police force in the state. We're in every county. So uh, we're already in school zones trying to slow people down, making sure kids are wearing their seatbelts. So, you know, we thought we'd take it to the next step. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're driving through school parking lots daily, and there's just over 1,800 schools in the state. And we don't hit them all, but, but we, we try to uh, right. on a daily basis. So we drive through the parking lots now. Uh, we're not trying to alarm parents or make anybody think there's something going on in the school. We just want to – we're there. We might as well – ride through. If we see something unusual, we work with the, the school resource officers, we work with the principals. Um, we're, we're not just going to get out and go banging on doors at schools. But if we right. see something that looks suspicious or off, we're, we're going to be we're going to be visible. So if you see a trooper right. at your kid's school, please don't don't worry. We're just there doing our part to help keep our kids safe. Now, Jeff, the uh, the the, the there's a highway safety division separate from the THP or in concert with you. Um, and about a year ago, I experienced what they call the tail of the dragon over in East Tennessee uh, on a holiday weekend about this time of year and scared my wife to death <laughs> because the motorcycles were flying through that stretch uh, Flying, I mean, literally. And uh, I understand y'all got a, y'all funded an effort to uh, slow that traffic down a, a little bit this year. 
Is that right? Yes, the Highway Safety Office gives out grants to local agencies and for enforcement in general. And what that was one of them that we have. Uh, they do different ones. Uh, we have coordinators across the state that are assigned to work with the local law enforcement. Uh, you'll see a lot of actions. I-40 challenges one of them where there's six or seven states involved in Interstate 40 at one time that will concentrate on the I-40. Uh, we have one that goes to Georgia on I-75. Uh, they're constantly having different events, uh, getting law enforcement concentrated, trying to slow the traffic down a little bit, uh, trying to be more careful while they're driving. Right. Tail of the Dragon, by the way, is a 11-mile stretch of Highway 129, I believe it is. It goes over the pretty much over the Appalachian Ridge uh, there south of Knoxville. And uh, it's quite an exciting uh, stretch of road, I think. I think the report I saw, they've had 93 crashes so far this year, two of which are fatal. Yeah, I was going to say it's a, it's, a high cr it's a high crash area uh, because of the traffic that goes across there and the speed they go across. It's an it's unfortunately high crash area. Right. The... Um, now, you've got another effort, I think, going on on Briley Parkway, or you had here uh, this past week, I believe. Is that out of the, your office, or where did that come from? Yes, so we, we, we do operations all over the state, kind of like Commissioner said. We, um, the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, will, they'll give troopers grant money, too. So basically, just when we talk about grant money or, or working overtime, if a, if a trooper works a 40-hour week, this allows them to work extra. So it just keep, keeps more bodies on the road for longer. But we do operations. Uh, we did a commercial vehicle operation in, in and around Davidson County, um, just trying to they, – they don't see a lot of troopers in, in Nashville proper, and so we, we just did a big operation to, to remind them we're here. And, and, and they, they just do the little things like we've all been behind a dump truck. I've got a crack in my windshield right now from a, a dump truck that didn't have its tarp over its load of rocks, and uh, that was two weeks ago. So th those kind of things, uh, they'll, they'll stop trucks. So those are unsafe things that, that potentially can cause a crash. And so right. we did an operation in, uh, here in Nashville. We, we just did, we've been doing one in Memphis, just to, they've had some interstate shootings. We, so we've tried to throw as many troopers at it as possible just to be visible and present, deter people from right. doing bad things. Now, the city of Memphis, I understand, has asked you all to uh, increase your presence there because of the tragic events that have happened there over the past few weeks. Um, is that something you're going to be able to accommodate? What uh, What's that going to look like? Absolutely. We, we want to have a bigger presence so that the most fatal crashes in our state occur in the metropolitan areas, Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, and certainly Memphis. So we know if we can get a little more little more personnel in those areas, we, we can help that out. And in Memphis' case, they've been asking for a little while for us, and, and we're trying to. We're, we're hiring. Um, we hired a, about once a year is kind of our normal hiring practice for virtually the history of the Highway Patrol. Um, we, we thanks to Commissioner Long, and a whole lot of support. It's taken a lot of legislative support, the governor's office, uh, but we hire once a quarter now um, trying to fill in. The governor gave us 100 new positions this year, and that, that's brand new um, positions. So we went from 943 to just over 1,000, 1,043. And, and, you know, we, we might ask for more. We're gonna, I think we're going to need it. Um, but we, we, 
I think this time last year, we probably had four troopers assigned to Shelby County. So in the metropolitan areas, we don't answer as many calls for service as those departments do it themselves. Um, but with everything going on and, and law enforcement around the country and people you know, not flooding to the job probably like they once did, it, right. everybody's sort of short on personnel and, and we feel like we can, we're, we're having good hiring success and keeping our numbers up. And like I said, we got a hundred new, new positions. So we, we want to do our part. I think we're, we're at about 15 troopers in Shelby County now, and we'd like to push that up to about 30 just to constantly have a presence. They, they had, um, I don't want to keep focusing on Memphis. It's a great city, um, but they had about, you know, 90 or so shootings on the interstate last year. Uh, now this year they're down. Uh, hopefully we, and, and it's it's a partnership. We have a great relationship. Memphis Police Department, Shelby County Sheriff's Department. Um, that none of us in law enforcement can do our job anywhere without without working together, and that's that's kind right. of our our philosophy. The uh, according to your website, I think as of last night, maybe you had we've got 974 fatalities on Tennessee roads so far this year. Um, is that is that accurate? That's accurate. He he was saying we're 16 down from last year. So okay, we were having really good success prior to sort of the COVID pandemic um, in terms of slowly working fatal crashes down. I mean, even though our our population we all know is skyrocketed in, in Middle Tennessee, but in Tennessee in general, um, and, and we were probably doing really good fatal crash wise uh, the last couple of years we've seen a sharp increase overall crashes went down during covid while everybody was working from home and but fatal crashes went way up and that that's, that was across the country not not just in tennessee but we are finally uh, you know we, we fought long and hard for the last two years we finally started working that number down a little bit it, it's still way too high uh, 900 and something i mean we're, we're still going to be well over a thousand by the end of the year, which is, we don't, we don't, that's not a success in any form or fashion, but we, we are working it back in the right direction. Uh, one of the, I see there are four primary reasons for fatalities, uh, one of which is seatbelts. Um, news reported a crash up near Teleco Plains this past week, I think, had three fatalities. All three were ejected. Now, if they're ejected, that means they didn't have their seatbelt on, right? That's correct. Okay. Um, what are they thinking? I mean. I don't know. Um, my grandmother, <laughs> my mom's <laughs> mom, uh, she, she wasn't going to wear her seatbelt. But she was that, that old school mindset. She was sure that she was going to run off the bridge, you know, down, down, down by Earl's fruit stand and end up in the river. And she was convinced that she'd be upside down if she had that seatbelt on. She, she wasn't going to survive. So th there's some of that mindset. You can't do what to do. Uh, you know, I, I deter my, my own safety. But almost half the people in fatal crashes aren't wearing their seatbelt. It's, it's, really, it's really simple. Um, it's, you know, the biggest contributor across the – it's not – a physical act of the vehicle when I say it, like speeding or driving recklessly, but it's the one thing you can do that it's not going to guarantee it. There are some crashes that, you know, your, your time is your time, but it's going to 
reduce the likelihood of, of death or serious injury. I mean, it's the greatest thing you can do is wear your seatbelt. Speeding is one of the other major causes, um, primarily by males under the age of 25. Right. Is that why that they have to pay higher insurance rates? That's exactly why. <laughs> That's exactly why. Yeah, speeding is just that thing. Uh, the faster you're going, the more severe the, the end or the stop is going to be. So um, speeding is, you know, is, is and certainly interstate speeds. I mean, you're already going 70 miles an hour with a lot of vehicles, I and mean, that's why those are tend to always be more severe crashes. Right. Distracted driving. Jeff, tell us what you, uh, your opinion of distracted drivers and uh, what we need to do about them, uh, what, uh, what, what they cause. We see all forms of distracted driving. We see people on their telephones. We see ladies making their makeup, going down the road. Uh, we see it all. So, uh, uh, you know, the thing we try to talk to people about is just put the phone down. I mean, I know you got to talk to somebody, but wait till you get to a safe place. Or, as the law says, wait till you come to a stop, and then you can say something. But put the phone down. Uh, slow down. Uh, all of us travel the interstates all the time. We see the speeds that are going on the interstate. Uh, if we could just get the public to listen to us and just slow down a little bit, put the telephone down, keep your eyes on the road, keep your hands on the steering wheel where they belong, uh, we would be able to reduce the fatality rate a, a great amount. Now, 10 years as sheriff, you probably saw a few DUIs in your time. Probably locked up a few in the jail. Um, how big a problem is that these days, and uh, what uh, what do you think we can do about that? Well, we certainly have too many. There's no doubt about that. We we saw a, a change for a period of time where the alcohol-related deaths and accidents dropped, and then the drug-related started higher. <clears throat> and uh, that made law enforcement had to ch change their training methods from training on recognizing alcohol related to drug recognition. So now we have all the drug recognition people, but then we see alcohol coming back into it. Uh, so uh, uh, it happens every day. I heard, I have a radio in my car for the highway patrol and I heard them transporting some last night because of alcohol. Um, people just don't think about the danger of drinking and think that they've gotten by with it before they can get by with it again or they uh, think that they have control of the automobile when they really don't. So uh, the simple message is if, if you drink, don't drive. It's simple. Simple. And don't let a buddy drink and drive. Right. The, uh, I mean, there's so many stories about people that just did dumb things, and we had a Brentwood officer killed mm -hmm. by a driver that uh, just had to, had to drive home that night. So... The um, now, Colonel, the uh, you had an incident back in January up in Nashville on I-65 with a, a fellow that was under apparently under the influence of drugs. Uh, your trooper, as I understood it, uh, stopped to give the guy a ride home. And tell us what happened and what we learned from that. Is there something we can do about situations like that that uh, 
Yeah, that, that was a tough situation um, for, we had a young trooper and, and then a veteran sergeant that was, that was on the scene. Um, that, that was tough. He thought he was just stopping out with a guy walking, walking down the interstate, which is against the law, but we're, we're not worried about how against the law it is. It's just the, the unsafe nature. You're walking down the side of the interstate, you're, you're risking your life. And uh, it turns out that guy had been into a, probably an issue at home and, and was really struggling probably with some things in his life. And and uh, just kind of lost control of himself and, and, you know, put, put the trooper and troopers and Metro officers uh, at a place where they had to make a decision between, you know, their, their safety and, and, right. and, and the motoring public. So that uh, resulted in a fatality. And uh, it did. I know you hate things like that, but uh, it's tough. If, um, if they appear to put the troopers or the public in danger, you've got to, you've got to That's act right. on things like that. That's right. The, uh, uh, well, there was another segue that was taking me, and it, uh, it just went the other way. But uh, let's uh, go on down my list. I probably need to stick to my list. But um, uh, again, all these road fatalities of all kinds. How much time do your officers spend just writing up accident reports? I mean, well, the the the, the report itself they, they vary depending on you know if you, if you go to a scene of a of a hit and run crash. So we we work a lot of those. Somebody sideswipes somebody on the interstate. We get there and uh, we we do our investigation on the scene. Try to get as much information about the vehicle that left the scene so that those can take hours and days and sometimes weeks. Um, a just fender bender that, that we see all the time, you know, a rear end collision on, on 65. Um, you know, those take maybe an hour or so to work them and then, you know, another hour or two to do the report. I mean, it, it's time consuming to do it right. Our, our report, you know, early in my career, the report was a, a page or two and, and now it, it seems like it's 100 pages to, to fill out a crash report. There's so much information that's, that's gathered. Right. Uh, back to my segue from the, the last item. Um, you're apparently now doing training for sensory inclusive training, I think they call it. That's right. What is that? What, what is that? It, it's just, it's how to, we're trying to learn how to recognize people that have something going on other than, you know, just they're having a bad day. People that are, um, have sensory issues when it comes to just how you interact with them, lights, loud noises. Um, Everybody has something. Um, it, it, this, uh, this isn't this is an isolate just a certain part of the population. Everybody's got something going on. It's it's trying to learn to recognize uh, things that might be happening with somebody that don't have anything to do with you stopping them. They're not being disrespectful or rude. Um, it, it's really just trying to make us a little bit better, make us a little more aware of of kind of what what's going on with people when we see certain things or if they you know, can't make eye contact or they won't make eye contact or they're, they're not really listening. It's just sort of being aware and, and, and putting another tool in our, we call it a tool in our toolbox to, to make us a little bit better at dealing with the, the public. And, and it's all about sort of de-escalation. So getting to a scene or getting even a crash. I mean, we deal with people, unfortunately, a lot of times at, at their worst. Um, Sometimes it's because we stopped them for speeding and they're like, oh, crap, I'm about to get a ticket and it's going to cost you a bunch of money. Or they just gotten, you know, an argument with a loved one and they're frustrated or had a death in the family. 
you know, recognizing those kind of things of people, um, and then how to sort of bring the, 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 the situation down, how to calm the situation, whether we're at a crash or, or on a traffic stop with, with someone. That, that, that's kind of what it is. Right. The, uh, um, I can't imagine being out there with your guys every day. That uh, a, lot of, a lot of important, uh, impactful decisions being made. In a split all day long, every day. That's right. And uh, fortunately, you're helping helping these guys uh, be trained to uh, to deal with that. And also, the the it's Culture City that we work with. So we we've got stickers on our car that that denote that we've had this sensory training, and it, it's a tool that a lot of people in this country use. So they know when they come to Tennessee, they see that sticker. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, that's a safe space. That's someone I can go talk to if I'm confused or lost or ha having an issue. Um, so that, that that's part of why we have the sticker too, is is to let people know that hey, we're somebody you can come talk to if you, if you need us. Right. Uh, what about work zones? I drive down to Murray County uh, a time or two a week to a farm we've got down there, and going through that work zone at exit 46. Um, if you slow down to the speed limit that's posted, all these Florida and Alabama cars are just flying by you. Uh, you said it, these Alabama cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the work zones are the most dangerous thing for our workers, our construction, TDOT, um, everybody. It's the most dangerous thing. I mean, they, you know, that lives are lost, a lot of lives are lost every year to construction workers and because people just don't pay attention. That that's the time, Commissioner said. Distracted driving is is anything you do. When you reach down to turn the air up, to change the channel, we all do it. Not saying it's uh, necessarily. Well, it really can. It, it's all distracted driving. It all can be cited for. Not everybody agrees with that. But if you if you reach into your you know McDonald's bag to grab some fries and you look down for a second, you you're distracted. You've taken your eyes and attention off the roadway. We never want you to do that. But in a construction zone, you see all the warning signs, you know, the orange and yellow. Slow down. Pay attention. You, you know, that's where your head needs to be on a swivel um, to protect, you know, our, our, our partners. I mean, TDOT's a huge partner of ours, and we, we work together with them. And, you know, and we're going to enforce those work zones. And, you know, the penalties are stiffer, and we take it a little more serious. Um, just like a school zone. Right. Gotcha. Let me add to that just a minute, Dave. Sure. You brought that one up. I got a call about it this week, matter of fact. Um, the, the traffic is backing up on the interstate because it can't get through the red light at the bottom of the exit. Right. And uh, we got checking and trying to find out if the red light was regulated by TDOT or whether it was the construction company. And we found out that the construction company regulated the red light. And so we've worked with them this week about trying to do the time change, especially during rush hour traffic, to get that traffic off the interstate because you come over a hill and there they are stopped and you can't stop. Uh, same thing on 65. I, I face it every day at 840 uh, past the three or four lane going down to the two lane. It backs up so bad and trying to get off. And so we're trying to regulate or trying to help them regulate that re uh, traffic light to get that traffic on off on to 99, get them off the interstate. I've experienced that. It, uh, it's that, that 
exit is a lot busier than most people realized, I think. And the construction has exacerbated the the issues there, I think. So let me let me also add a point that Matt made a few minutes ago. One of the things we're seeing now also on the road is guns in particular. Everybody is carrying guns. And especially uh, people who have committed crime are carrying guns with them. And we're seeing a lot of the traffic stops that we have. Uh, we've had, I can just off the top of my head, recall three shootouts that our troopers have been involved in in the last couple of years. One a week ago or two uh, on I-24 in Coffee County. Uh, he does a stop on the interstate system. A uh, gentleman comes out with two handguns in his hand, starts shooting through the windshield of the patrol car and shoots the trooper in the shoulder. Uh, we had one in Knoxville. We had one in Chattanooga. So the day is different now about people carrying firearms, especially being mad and, and coming out with the firearms where you used to didn't see that much. But we see it more and more now. It's crazy. Crazy. Now, you mentioned, uh, Matt mentioned the helicopter crash uh, a few weeks ago. I noticed, uh, Commissioner, you've got a Three Stars of Tennessee Award that you recently awarded to several uh, first responders, troopers. Um, tell us about that award and uh, how, you, how that gets awarded. Yeah, um, one of the senators uh, started that. And it was a great idea. She was in Texas and saw uh, that they had an award ceremony when she was down there and, and uh, uh, thought it would be good to do it in Tennessee, came back, and the legislature passed a resolution to do that. And every year we have an award ceremony through Homeland Security where we recognize first responders that are killed in the line of duty. And it's a ceremony for their family uh, to be able to see how much their service was appreciated and how much the individual was appreciated for what they did and ultimately paying that sacrifice for our citizens of our state. And it's a great recognition and the governor comes and speaks at it. He actually now meets with the family before the ceremony and talks to them. And, and it's just a good good time to, to recognize those individuals that have given the all. One other thing about the officer's daily um, involvement uh, pursuits uh, I understand philosophy's changed on pursuits over the last uh, few years. Tell us where the state is on that now, Matt. And, uh, so a, a pursuit is is one of the most dangerous things for for a police officer and and for the general public. So we 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 don't take those lightly. We don't just probably like like the good old days, don't just willy-nilly chase everybody because they weren't wearing their seatbelt or had tinted windows. So we look at the crime that potentially was committed. So obviously we're chasing somebody who's committed a crime against somebody murder or some, you know, something that severe. We're, we're going to probably pursue a little longer, a little harder, because that person is a risk to the public. Um, it, our litmus is probably really, really simple. If you go out to stop a car that's speeding 80, 90 miles an hour and they're they're just speeding. They're driving straight down the interstate. They're speeding. They're not in and out of traffic. And we get behind them, and now they go, they start going 120, 130. They're in and out of traffic. They're passing on the shoulder. We're, I shouldn't say this, but we're going to stop pursuing that person because they have escalated. They, they, have, they are now risking everybody's life, um, and we're not going to, 
we're not going to, we've created that. Now, if that person already goes by at 120, in and out of traffic on the shoulder, and we get those calls a lot, we call those BOLOs, be on the lookout for reckless drivers. We get those all the time. They're running cars off the road in the median. Now, that, that's a different story. We're going to, we're going to, they're already endangering the public, you know, actively endangering yeah. the public. So we'll, and then we've all heard, or y'all, y'all have all heard the, the, the wrong way on the interstate. Mm. Those you have to end as quickly yeah. as possible. So, because they, they are going to always probably kill someone, but they're going to severely hurt them. I mean, there, there's never a good ending to a, a wrong way driver. Right. So th those we're going to try to, we're going to try to end that, in that, in that one pretty quickly. That, uh, that's, that's scary. Jeff, we've had some disaster since you've been in, in uh, your position. Uh, last year, the Waverly floods, uh, I think uh, the Nashville Christmas bombing, I think that's 2020, I believe. Um, some tornadoes right after you were sworn in. Um, how is the Department of Homeland Safety uh, involved in those, the, the highway patrols and so forth? Well, of course, different avenues of it. Uh, uh, let's take the Waverly flooding. We had uh, helicopters flying, rescuing people. Uh, we had troopers. We had one trooper that's been recognized nationally for saving a life where he literally got into the water and saved a life uh, during that flood. We're, as Matt says, we're one of the first responders because we have the capability of having people in every county. So we're going to help our local partners, and that's exactly what we did in Waverly during the flood. And we sent additional strike teams, we call them, uh, we have strike teams in the different districts across the state, and we send those strike teams to help. Uh, during the tornadoes, we had three rounds of tornado right after Governor Lee took office. Uh, we had troopers out constantly during that for weeks, uh, responding and protecting the home goods of individuals that their houses had been destroyed, trying to help search those rescue or search and rescue to make sure whether people were still in the homes or not. Uh, we had troopers doing that the entire time, and Homeland Security agents. Uh, we activated them and have that do that. Uh, we had 67 days, I believe it was, a protest at the Capitol right after all of that with COVID. Uh, and then the, the Waverly thing, you know, the thing about Waverly that really stuck home to me about that in particular is uh, those of us who are old enough to remember the bombing or the uh, train derailment in Waverly and the explosion we were there that night. Uh, we went from Franklin, a group of us did, to go down and, and be there when that happened. And I, I told somebody not long ago to show you how you mature over the years, hopefully, is that we had a fire truck from the city of Franklin that was stuck in a creek after the first explosion, but the second train uh, car had not exploded and didn't know what it was going to or not. They were trying to keep it uh, cooled down enough from exploding. But we were worried about that fire truck. It being a new fire truck, we were all down on the creek trying to push that fire truck out, not even thinking about the danger of that second explosion. So Waverly has certainly had their their uh, opportunities that, uh, uh, you know, you just pray for Waverly because they were devastated after this flood. A lot of people saw it on television and saw some of the highlights, but they did not see the extreme damage that's done to Waverly. I mean, they had no schools. They had nothing. So uh, they're really suffering from that, and, and we're there to help them any way we can, directing traffic, doing anything we can help the sheriff or the chief or any of those with. And we do that across the state all the time. Okay. 
uh, our friends at the state legislature, Sam, uh, Sam Whitson's here with us, uh, passed a constitutional carry bill, a um, little more explicit, I think, this past year. What does it actually mean? And uh, I understand the law enforcement community wasn't particularly excited about that bill, but you don't have to express an opinion on that. But the what does it actually mean? What can a person in Tennessee do or not do with? Well, I think under the last bill, um, Representative, correct me, uh, you can carry your firearm concealed or in certain circumstances open, but you have to have uh, a certain amount of training. It still didn't change totally. Some of you don't have to have the training, but we recommend that you go through the, the training school uh, to be carrying a weapon. Carrying a weapon, you know, we try to stress on people, you have the constitutional right to carry that weapon, but that is a huge, huge responsibility. Law enforcement goes through multiple, multiple hours of training about taking a life, and that's something an individual needs to think about if they're going to carry their firearm, which they have the constitutional right to do, is are you prepared, first of all, to take a life if you have to, and what are going to be the consequences of that and, and you need to think that and need to be trained for that uh, in order to have that awesome responsibility. Hmm. Uh, I can imagine. Colonel, you got anything to add to that? I think you said it best. I mean, it, it, I'll, I'll go to the, because you can carry your, your guns, people are carrying them everywhere. They're, they're, they're in their cars constantly. This is, I mean, some of these shootings I'm talking about are not, you know, the, these are just these uh, road rage, spur of the moment kind of incidents where people have gotten frustrated and literally are firing out of their car while they're moving. So, um, and and people are leaving their guns in their cars. It's it's one of the biggest things right now. Is people are looking for cars. It's happened in Franklin and neighborhoods. It, it happens all across the state. Um, people are looking for open doors or stuff they can see. They're not trying to steal a car. They're not trying to. They're just they want to find money and guns. And, and unfortunately, people leave their guns in their car. So that, that, that's another part of this constitutional carry thing is everybody's got their gun with them all the time, but then they forget that they left it in their glove box or under their seat or, or wherever. So I, I would just say, you know, in that respect, lock your guns up. Um, you know, most, I'd say most of the time you don't need a gun out here to, to, to go live your life, and um, certainly in Franklin Williams County. <laughs> That's great. Given the uh, the statistics on driver male drivers under the age of 25, uh, I'm going to ask Judge uh, Sharon Guffey if she would like to have additional uh, responsibility over the the uh, youth up to age 25. Could you help slow those guys down, Sharon? Well, here's what I, what I do is I take their driver's license. And that that works too. Down. And 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 we encourage parents to do that as well. I mean, that's the very first thing that you can do. Can, can I just add one thing that's not related to that? The commissioner, some of you didn't you left out one little part of his resume. The, he's an attorney. And many of y'all may not know that he was a prosecutor for the 21st Judicial District for several years. In, um, with me and several others here a long time ago. And he, um, he was down in Lewis and Perry counties for a number of years. 
and prosecuted some of the more serious crimes in our judicial district. And so that, I mean, now he has a great law enforcement background, but he also has that piece that some people don't know about. So I wanted to make sure. Thanks for pointing that in. Yeah. I can personally attest that when you take a kid's driver's license, it does slow them down because they don't want to lose it again. And, and as a uh, parent, that's what you should do. You actually kill three birds with one stone, so to speak, because my oldest son lost his license for, what is it, a couple of weeks after his second moving violation. And the other two didn't want that to happen either, so <laughs> it slowed all three of them down. So, <laughs> And I don't know how many of their friends, but uh, it works. The... Uh, uh, Representative Whitson, um, you know, we talked about constitutional carry. You're, maybe you should explain the difference between a lieutenant colonel and a colonel, given your military background. But uh, what, uh, what, what was the legislature doing with the constitutional carry, and did it accomplish what, what you intended? Well, thank you, Dave. First of all, I want to say, I tell you what, we are so proud of our two Williamson County favorites here on the Hill. I tell you, uh, the leadership that the Commissioner Long and Colonel Perry show up there is amazing. A lot of, big part of their job, if I could add, not to get away from yeah. the question, but they're down there a lot helping us craft good laws. Uh, they'll be in budget hearing soon, and they'll have to take all kind of questions. And there's a lot of people think are good ideas down there, but I rely on them for their expertise to make sure we do not pass laws that causes consequences we do not anticipate. And we could not have better representation in our law enforcement community than these two gentlemen here. And I'm just proud of them. I know there's a young lady in here that's very proud of one of this, uh, these members up here. And uh, that's uh, Colonel Perry's mom. But um, again, and I didn't know he was a arson investigator, Judge. So that's also learn something new every day. So, but and to, on the constitutional carry, one of my jobs in the Army, I was a battalion commander for new recruits coming in, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. These kids couldn't hit their plate with a fork, okay? And so in, in 12 weeks, we worked to train them on how to engage and operate and employ weapons, everything from a 9-millimeter to a 40-millimeter grenade launcher. My concern is, and the commissioner hit it right, people do not understand the consequences of using a, a firearm. You do, somebody cutting you off in traffic is not justification to pull out a gun and shoot somebody. And that's where we really need the training component on this constitutional carry. The bill that passed allows anyone that is not a felon uh, to carry a gun in Tennessee, basically. Uh, no other requirement. It's called const and you have to be 21 and older. Now, you can still get a... Uh, a, a carry permit because other states uh, you could carry in other states reciprocity agreements that we have with like Alabama, Georgia and that's where you have to go through the training and the background check but basically right now 21 and up is my understanding if I recall the law correctly is that uh, if you don't have a criminal record and you can carry a gun now I'm going to tell you right up front I voted against that law based on my background and training of employing weapons and supervising young military police soldiers uh, for 26 years. Um, there was a move to drop that age down to 18 this year. It did not pass the Senate, didn't come to the uh, general, uh, the House side. So I'm sure it will come back this year. But with the shootings we've seen in the schools from those 
people who go out and buy a firearm in those states that are 18, 19 years old, that is concerning to me. I still believe the training so people understand the consequences of using a firearm is critical to, to be a responsible gun owner. I believe in training and responsible gun ownership. Also, one other thing I'd like to say, take this opportunity real quick. I really believe our criminal justice system, our courts, our law enforcement, and our corrections are all underfunded in this state. We've seen the growth in the population. We have to look at that. The 100 troopers is a good start for our uh, folks, but also our courts need help. They're underfunded. Again, there's so many challenges we have now and today in America that we did not have 20, 30, 40 years ago. And I'd just like to say, in my 52 years of driving, I only met one trooper on the side of the road. Okay. <laughs> Good segue uh, on funding, because our county commission has funded um, SROs, I think, for every school in the county. Is that right, Brian Bethard? Yes, uh, congratulations, sir. Brian has just been selected as the chairman of our county commission here in Williamson County. And uh, I think they've made a, a good choice there. Uh, what does the, the future of, uh, I didn't see the mayor sitting over there. <laughs> I didn't, I guess I could have gotten him to answer this question, but uh, the, uh, uh, again, that uh, is very important, I think, to, to our parents to have uh, SROs, uh, resource officers in the school system. Anything else that the county commission can do to ensure the security of our kids? Well, again, like you said, we have SROs in all the schools. We also help fund the SROs for FSSD, um, even though the commission doesn't have uh, dominion, so to speak, over those schools. We do want to protect those children, their Williamson County children. Uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, uh, work done at the state to ensure that all of our schools have SROs. I believe it's important. Uh, I believe it does a tremendous uh, job in keeping our schools safe and helping to uh, stave off any any situation that uh, that could get ugly. Um, Congratulations on the the new job. Any any specific agenda you have there as the chairman now? No specific agenda. Just to keep the meetings rolling, uh, keep them rolling fairly, um, and get our work done uh, uh, each evening. Thank you, Brian. Jason Potts, uh, City of Franklin, uh, Alderman Third Ward. Anything going on with the city, particularly with public safety, that uh, you can share with us? Uh, first, thank you for the question. Uh, I want to uh, thank both the gentlemen here for speaking. I was very excited when uh, yesterday at the State of the School, uh, we learned more about how our state troopers are involved and um, rolling through our schools and checking for safety. So I think that's a great partnership that uh, has been established. and. I look forward to it continuing. Thank you, Jason. Mr. Mayor, now that I've spotted you over here, uh, Mayor Rogers Anderson's with us this morning, and uh, you get to fund the Sheriff's Department and uh, uh, oversee a lot of things that have to do with the public safety of our citizens. Uh, you think we got the right men in place? Oh, absolutely, uh, both of them. Uh, and since you didn't ask me a specific question, uh, let me comment on the commissioner and to the colonel both, uh, how much we appreciate what you all have done and continue will do. But with that being mine, I never miss an opportunity to ask a favor. Uh, 
of the commissioner. Uh, the microphone, you answer it. <laughs> so uh, I was late coming to the meeting this morning, but I was listening to your conversation about the driver's license. In fact, I just asked Cal, did he have his star license? And he did, and I do, I do not yet. I will get that. But I would encourage you to have a public safety message across this state from um, Memphis to Mountain Home to encourage, one, our veterans across this state to get that identification marked on their driver's license and then through a public safety message. And two, uh, to provide free driver's license to all veterans across this state uh, that have served and dis discharged honorably. I think that would send a message to encourage our young men and women to get in the military, serve honorably, and get out. And I'm sure that, would, that does have a price tag, um, but I think it would be worth it. And then my question to ask either the colonel or um, Jeff is the latest technology that is going on out there. Um, we're hearing a lot of conversations about technology, and that's where we're going with all of our activities. What are we missing? What do we need to be focusing on to pick up on it? it we hear a lot of conversation about readers and the driver's license and picking all that. What other items do we need to be looking at the local level that match up with yours? Thank you, Mayor, and uh, always good to see you. And let me, you're talking about SROs. Uh, fortunate I was here when the time was that the Mayor and the Commission helped us put SROs in every schools, and every school that had over, I believe it's 1,500 in population, we put two at least in every school, and that's not heard of across the state. Williams County has stepped out front on that to keep our kids safe, and thank you. Uh, Mayor, we have been in conversation. Matter of fact, I've talked to the County Attorney, Lisa Carson, about the license plate readers. I think you're going to see something probably come out on that pretty soon. Uh, license plate readers uh, has the advantage of catching crime uh, in the act, you might say. I'll give you, for instance, the young lady who was shot on uh, the interstate system in Nashville, the nurse, uh, they were able to look at some of the license plate numbers, and that's how we were able to find out who that offender was. That happens all across the state every day on license plate readers. The only thing we want to make sure of with the technology that it's the best technology, that it's a shareable technology that all law enforcement can utilize and have the, the searchability to search that data and try to get the information. So uh, those are the things. There, there's, a, there's all kinds of uh, technology coming out. One thing is called shots uh, reader. Uh, where it'll actually interpret if shots are fired in a municipality or somewhere that you have a, a crime area. It'll notify you of shots being fired before you get the call. Uh, there are several of those things that uh, everybody's looking at right now uh, to try to do that. And I do appreciate that about the veterans. Reese Smith called me this week. He couldn't find his DD-214, but wanted to know how else he could get his designation as veteran on his driver's license. And uh, changed the law. Matter of fact, couple, I think it was maybe last year, year before last, uh, Senator Yeager uh, was interested in that and got it changed. And there's about three or four forms, different types of identification you can use to get your veteran status 
on it, and we'll certainly look at waiving those and see if that's feasible. Yes. Colonel Perry, you're saved by the bill. I was going to ask your mom to tell us some interesting facts about you that <laughs> probably nobody else uh, knows, but uh, we're out of time. So. <laughs> and Ann Peterson, I'm sorry, I was going to ask you the same thing, but we're, uh, uh, we're out of time. Just uh, really appreciate uh, everyone participating here, especially uh, Commissioner Long, Colonel Perry, taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to be with us and just share more about what's going on behind the scenes uh, with, with your areas of responsibility and uh, just any way we can, you can find that we can support you, let us know because uh, we certainly want to do that. I uh, uh, also want to thank Columbia State Community College, uh, uh, Dr. Um, well, <laughs> I didn't hear it, but okay. Uh, Janet uh, Smith, for one, anyway, for letting us use this beautiful facility. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great place to meet, and we enjoy being here. WCTV, Creed Henderson, appreciate you making us look good every month. Tom Lawrence at WAKM, we appreciate your help. Financial assistance from Vanderbilt University. And uh, AT&T, uh, we appreciate their help here. Uh, coffee from the Good Food Group. Uh, that's our McDonald's franchisee for most of the McDonald's in this area. Again, we have a better deal than McDonald's Senior Coffee. It's free here every, every month. So uh, show up a little early and you can have some of that good McDonald's coffee. Uh, thanks again to the chamber staff, Kel McDonald's, the quarterback on this uh, particular effort. Abby Bass, uh, Matt Largen, uh, certainly Nancy Conway uh, um, helps in ways nobody can imagine. And uh, we just appreciate all y'all all do to make this happen. Uh, we'll have another show uh, late in October to be determined. So uh, look forward to having y'all back. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back next month.